Welcome everyone to Bandwidth, your first stop for collectible finance. Here at Ban, here at the Ban Arbitrage Network, we combine data and experience to help you understand the world of collectible finance. Father Ken here. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, we are excited that you're here to build your knowledge in collectible finance, and we have some amazing resources for you today. Uh, in fact. Uh, once again, we have Chris and Wolf joining us, and I'm so glad that you both are here. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks again for having us, Ken. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Anytime I uh, get to sit with the dog and actually talk about magic, it makes me happy. That is when we were scheduled. Sorry, Ken, when we were scheduling this podcast, Wolf, you said that it made Tuesday night special, and I agree with that. I didn't really have anything, so this kind of fills Tuesday nights up, which is awesome. Yeah. It is a lot of fun to be able to spend time here with everyone and to be able to share a little bit about collectible finance. I I don't have a whole lot to share this week. I actually bought uh, another part of a collection today. It turned out to be a partially constructed sliver uh, EDH deck and then some leftover burn relics. And it was just kind of interesting because I got one of every fetch plus one of every shock plus a whole bunch of slivers, and it was just kind of fun uh, to be able to look into that and offer the guy a price, and the number he had in his mind and the number I came up with was beneficial to both of us, and it was an easy transaction. It was great. Nice. You're going you're gonna to be building for a sliver? Uh, apparently I am now. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of the things that I've been working on, too, is... Uh, trying to figure out how to do a really good Pokemon cast. And I have had uh, a couple of requests uh, just to expand our past Pokemon discussion. Uh, had some requests to do that, and I have a really good outline right now uh, that was shared by one of our Discord members and really want to focus in on that over the next couple of weeks. And then also I'm looking at an intro to MTG Finance, uh, just trying to get people a starting point to really think about magic finance and collectible finance and a larger scope. And I think those are, are two very valuable resources to people in our Discord, but then also to the wider community. Um, and I'm the kind of guy that wants to learn it and share it, and I really enjoy doing that. So, Awesome. Chris, how's, how's your elbow holding up? I We, we heard <laughs> that, that you had a pretty significant fall this week. Yeah, I my... Uh... My weekend was not ideal. I had one of probably the more freak things that I can ever imagine happening to me. I actually decided to help one of my friends sell part of his collection, and he brought it over. I, I shouldn't say part. It's a very sizable number. It's probably probably around 10,000 cards. Yeah. And the piece of his collection that was like the masterpiece of the collection is a 9-5 Gem Mint taiga uh, bgs certified taiga and uh, beta taiga specifically and uh, a long story short is we were carrying stuff up to my office in the which is upstairs and that's where i have like all my magic cards and so we're carrying all of his uh, five rows etc up and he had the taiga loose uh, it wasn't in like a bag or anything of that nature so typical dad move i went and you know, there was like three booster boxes left, uh, sealed product that were down on the table, along with yeah. the Taiga. Okay, I can grab all three of these, plus I'll put the Taiga on top of the booster box as well. About halfway up the stairs, I 
just slipped. I, I honestly have no. It was it was like gravity just didn't exist for us. Oh, actually, that would have been a really good thing if it didn't exist. Yeah. It was the opposite. It was very very effective. Um, and I went down super hard. I've never fallen quite that hard in my life, but landed right on my right elbow. Uh, elbow is mm. fine. I don't. I didn't break it thankfully, but um, I landed on the tiger though, and the tiger slab actually cracked and. Uh, we're still kind of awaiting a, a verdict, but it it sure looks like the taiga itself actually caught a little bit of damage from it, which is just like mm. that's why I said it was such a freak thing because we're talking potentially a thousand dollar or more loss on my part, and I unfortunately don't have a collectibles insurance policy anymore. So, uh, fun fact about that: we'll, we'll at some point, some one of these casts, I want to talk about insuring, insuring collectibles more. But uh, long story short, I don't have a policy, so I'm I'm kind of SOL, and uh, that is my story. That's pretty much what I've been up to is dealing with that. So sorry that you've had to go through this. I, I know that as a father of of children, uh, just the random things that are on stairs and trying to get things done quickly and efficiently can can set you back when things go wrong and I really want to apologize for that yeah i said dad move the dad move was trying to carry more than i should right so like i don't know yeah. if anyone's ever seen the classic gifts of a, a dad taking you know 30 bags out of a car for the groceries and inevitably one breaks open that's kind of what this was like i probably should have just grabbed a booster box or two and not the taiga and anyway it is what it is so yeah it, it is and once again, we're really sorry to hear about that. Is is there anything else that you've been working on right now, or is it just mainly recovering from this and trying yeah. to sort through the, the sorting cards? the collection? I just yeah, I just started today. I my elbow was so that happened on Saturday. I was kind of in pretty bad shape Saturday, the rest of the day, and then Sunday, um, I started getting range of motion back Sunday night and mon Monday. It was. A lot better today it's it's i'm feeling pretty good so today i started sorting the collection and and i got some stuff listed and so I'm, yeah that's pretty much what i'm working on is is catching up basically digging out now for um for the loss cover, covering the loss basically mm -hmm. by selling the rest of this friend of mine's collection so i got off to a good start on that today and and otherwise i think that's pretty much what i'll be working on moving forward uh, this week anyway sounds pretty good uh, Wolf, you've been doing your typical thing this week, and you've been <laughs> digging into the data once again. What have you been discovering? So I, I've um, on a more overarching level, I've been trying to uh, make my forecast a lot better. I mean, Code has got that cool sleeper page going. I gotta, I feel like I gotta up my nerd level. Um, uh, so I've been I've been digging more into machine learning ensemble methods to to get above kind of just the base methodologies that I have been employing. And while I was doing that, I figured might as well look into a you know a couple of specs for the for the cast. And um, I'll be honest that I started looking for jumpstart cards because I figured that um, I, th I think Michael from TOA mentioned that the and uh, that another wave was coming to the United States, but. I believe uh, Europe finally got their assortment, and I'm, I'm fairly certain that they did. Because um, I was looking, and like Emil, the unicorn, is 65 bucks over here. It's 25 euros over there. Bruvac is 20 euros over there, 60 over here, or, or whatever ludicrous margin it, it still is. Um, so really, that that's just a straight race. If anybody has um, direct ties over there and can get that shipped over real quickly, that that could probably offer a pretty penny. But 
the interesting thing that I noticed was that Card Kingdom uh, and and most like BIOS that um, have automated methodologies actually updated their their BIOS in anticipation for uh, potential influx, even though we haven't really seen it in the states. So they've actually lowered the basement that they're willing to offer on cards. Um, but interestingly enough. What I discovered and, and just kind of poking around in that was that double masters, a lot of cards, and I, I'm going to mention at least a couple, <laughs> a couple yeah. of those are already bouncing back, which is funny because it feels like, I don't know, 10 days ago, we were saying the market's flooded, everybody bought too many. Um, but uh, it, it, I guess, you know, we're, we're like Dory from Finding Nemo every time a new set comes out and <laughs> complain about these reprints. And I was actually creating an external regressor earlier for uh, reprints and I was actually I think it was Chalice of the Void I just offhand here I'm, I'm getting off topics but uh, that card went like 10 years without a reprint then four years then two years then it was like 13 months and then it was like uh, it was, it's you can see how quickly things are beginning to be reprinted and reprinted and reprinted and mm -hmm. um, you can look at that as a bad thing and that there are more copies out but the other fact of it is um, it's kind of like Jumpstart when it's printed demand that they're only going to print it so long as it's the the newest thing. And when you have a new thing every three months, that means it's not printed for that long. So um, kind of pros and cons on that. But yeah, that was that was just an interesting tidbit that I, I, I kind of stumbled into this week. Uh, speaking of data, we are coming to that point where we need to play your theme music. And the theme music that was suggested to me uh, last week was copyrighted. And so I, I cut, I cut the cast last week and I posted it to the Bandcast chat, uh, the secret, the secret layer here within, uh, the band Ooh. network and, uh, was reminded that we can't use copyrighted materials. So, uh, if you notice the new music at the beginning of the cast, that was recorded by a friend of mine, his name's Eric. Uh, he recorded it specifically for us to be able to use full-time, and we have the rights to that music to be able to use it. Now we have to figure out, what can we do for Wolf? Uh, last week, your your music was uh, was some free music that I found on a website, but right now I'm going to play a new cut, and I don't know if it's going to be something new for you or just new for the cast, and we're going to work on something else, but uh, if you have suggestions... For Wolf's intro music, now is the time to share it because here's the music right now that we're using. Go ahead. This is your moment. Share what you've discovered from the data and from your newspaper this week. I'm just going to start off by saying I'm a little nervous because uh, earlier today, Bacon, uh, you can see the music that I'm listening to in Discord. He was giving me a little grief for listening to the Little Mermaid soundtrack. So I, I'm a little scared for what he's going to try and sneak in as my intro music now. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Once again. Of copyright music is not allowed <laughs> i think i think i think craig would find a way um, that's, but that's um uh, in terms of uh just cards to watch things that i've been looking at uh, a couple of these actually um sparky's listening he, he pointed them out uh, i'm beginning to feel like old man here uh in terms of, of when i actually get time to, to look and a lot of these um might be more review 
um, not necessarily calling these out as uh, specs to buy, but if you're if you're trying to learn about speculation and you're trying to uh, just kind of get better at at just speculating on singles in general, uh, I really think these these next few cards are going to be a good example. Uh, and first and foremost, uh, kind of what I was mentioning uh, a few minutes ago about uh, something being printed a lot, not actually impacting it, its price point too heavily, and that's Avenger of Zendikar. Um, normally, I would pick an edition. This time, I'm just going to say close your eyes and throw a dart. Uh, it doesn't matter which edition. Uh, one of the uh, the copy that's actually been the most bullish over the past 30 days is the double XM copy, and that is a trend that extends on uh, all non-foil editions. Uh, if anybody knows me, I hate foils. I avoid foils like the plague. Um, uh, and just an aside on that, I avoid foils because buy lists are extremely picky. And if I buy a card and there is not a buy list backing, uh, that's a gamble that I don't like taking unless I'm very confident that I can move it or the price point is, is just high enough to, to get me to be greedy. Uh, but Avenger of Zendikar, yeah, I mean, this is a card... <laughs> I, I'm actually curious, Chris, if you if you know notice like any decks or any play patterns around that might be driving this or if it's just that strong of like a perennial favorite in EDH. It's primarily because of Zendikar Rising giving us so much uh, new landfall capabilities and just you know refocusing on lands. That's that's the primary driver of the ban. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the buy list and all of these are up. I think uh, I have a quick little system that I use to to track uh, buy list movement. So if the buy list goes up a dollar one day and then it goes down fifty cents the next, but up a dollar the next, just aggregating that, these cards are all growing and and growing quite well. Um, it also tipped me off too that Card Kingdom. I don't think they're ever going back to offering 67% on uh, on cards against their own retail price like they used to. They're going to stick at 60. I actually caught their API because I, I measure it hourly. Um, uh, the next card I'm going to talk about, Spellseeker, I caught them with their buy list offer up at 67%, and it was there for a glorious 10 minutes. And then they raised wow. their retail price, and then they moved it. They, they clearly have it linked, uh, but there is for some reason right now some kind of delay. Uh, it used to be it would go up and sit at 67. Then if you know if it went higher than that, that's when it would move their retail margin. They they've clearly lowered it now, uh, hmm. almost certainly due to COVID. But I'm starting to wonder now if it's just proven profitable. If they can offer almost 10% less on each card and and still get them in in mass, um, that's a margin they don't really need to give back. So curious to see how that one goes. But so uh, you, you know, I, mm-hmm. when you're talking about Spellseeker, though, you're you're talking about the double masters edition not double masters the the battle bond edition right you're not talking about the judge promo yes i'm talking about the battle bond edition okay All right. so sorry sorry father ken i know you love your judge promos well I'm, um, i am i'm sitting on a small stack of them here if anybody wants to buy some from me um if anybody is is kind of looking and i say this uh with a grain of salt obviously if spellseeker gets uh spoiled in commander legends that's going to be egg on my face i'll I'll accept that but um a lot of times you you might think that you know you you've got to be watching you know the market you've got to be watching the patterns and, and watching all these price graphs to stay up with cards spellseeker is a perfect example of one that if you'd bought it in january uh, you could have had these for seven dollars each, and I think they're retailing right now for twenty or twenty-two. Um, just one of these cards that's in the background. It was printed at rare within two years. It's a powerful effect. It's not so powerful or or really expensive at uh, right now to really merit um, you know, merit a reprint. Although that's never stopped them before, but it's just 
these little things that you can watch, uh, you can watch for. Um, the other element that I really like about Spellseeker is that the the buy list has actually been climbing uh, with with more strength than the market valuation for this. Um, and th this is funny to me because people want to uh, get upset on TTG player that people are doing buyouts, they're doing this. But when I look at Spellseeker, it's the perfect example of literally the TCG marketplace protecting. Uh, protecting players and buyers and like literally just buying you time to, to wake up to, to one of these cards because uh, the buy list on this has increased six dollars over the past 60 days uh, on average and the market price has stayed static the sellers have stayed static so somebody is valuing these cards high, higher um, and it's clearly not consumers yet or at least not ones that are, are realizing so uh, just something to keep your eye out for um, I don't so, know I know yeah, go ahead there's there's kind of a, a question I've got here. We have not seen all of the blue cards from Commander Legends yet. Uh, so I, I want Chris to kind of jump in here for just a moment. Chris, what are you thinking about Spellseeker getting a reprint in Commander Legends? I'm, I'm just asking him. Yeah, I, I always hesitate to speculate on what's going to be reprinted. The thing about Spellseeker I think that would, I guess, favor it to be reprinted would be we, we just got the completion of the battle bond cycle, the land cycle. So, I mean, theoretically, if they're looking at battle bond, they already know that they need to, need to uh, you know, we just got the reprint of the existing cycle in Zendikar Rising. So battle bond lands were on their mind. Spellseeker, we haven't seen a ton of instants or sorceries with converted mana cost two or less yet. And so I'm not so sure if, like, Spellseeker is a great card in CEDH. It's not as great in casual EDH because casual EDH tends to lend itself to high converted mana cost kind of bomby type cards whereas CEDH is more about counter spells and, and grinding through to find your win con. Spellseeker actually can find you those win cons like Demonic Consultation. So it, I, I can't say like I, I just I would say Spellseeker is obviously on the table like any card would be. It's it Battlebond was clearly on their mind from the land cycle standpoint in the last you know Zendikar Rising and now Commander Legends. So it's it's plausible to think that they also were looking at some of the other valuable cards. On the flip side of that, I don't think that this will find its way into Commander Legends primarily because I think Commander Legends is going to be tailored to be a casual casual draftable format and spellseeker is a pretty darn good card in something like that where you can go tutor out uh, a pretty reasonable uh card in in that like draftable uh standpoint so it adds consistency in a draft format that you probably wouldn't want so i'm gonna lean towards no but uh it's almost impossible to guess yeah, yeah they, they really come out of left field on some of these i mean <laughs> some some cards that you just uh, you give them a break and they, they just keep hitting them and other ones. Uh, but something that I, I like to think about too uh, when looking at, when, when trying to predict what'll be in a set, um, and, and again, you guys should know by now, I, I try and justify it by numbers, even if they're the wrong numbers, but I always try. Um, when this set was designed was probably two years ago. Uh, and, and so when you're putting cards to go into that set, uh, Yes, you can say Watsi ignores the secondary market, but it, let's be honest, they they do pay attention because they need to sell their product at a certain at a certain rate. So they they have to pay some form of attention. Um, and I think two years ago, Spellseeker was just not a card that would be on your radar. It's like a seven dollar card. It it does seem a little pushed. You know, any deck that's running Cyclonic Rift, you, you probably should be running 
your second copy of Cyclonic Rift and Spellseeker, but um, it wasn't really until um, January of this year when it when it bumped up to the mid early teens, and then uh, just actually lately this last month when it's jumped up to twenty, uh, not jumped to just kind of steadily climbing. Um, so it, it just really doesn't seem like a card for a monetary reason that would be on their radar. Um, I could see maybe that the interaction with that new black card, which I, I'm actually very excited to, to hear your thoughts on later here, Chris, uh, that tutor one. Um, oh, but yeah. other than that, I, I don't see it. And uh, <laughs> so this last one, this one is going to make Jim uh, cringe a little bit. Uh, and this is MTG Papa when he, when he hears this one, because... <laughs> This is a card that he's convinced, and uh, he may well be right, that uh, it's going to get the Tarmogoyf treatment uh, of just being reprinted and reprinted and reprinted until it's $30, or like our poor Jace the Mind Sculptor is now $40, which still boggles my mind. But um, that card is Mana Crypt, also out of Double Masters. Um, so <laughs> it's fun for me to watch, watch Mana Crypt, especially this one, and this is the non-foil regular edition out of Double Masters. Um, so 30 days ago, the buy list offer was $45. Um, then, t uh, two weeks ago or one week ago, it was $58. Yesterday it was 65 and today it was $70 on the buy list. That's a pretty, pretty linear trend up, uh, CK market valuation. What they're selling this card for went from 90, hundred, 110, and it's still at 110, but their buy list is, is getting higher despite the retail staying the same. Meanwhile, if you go look over at that hyper competitive TCG market, um, a month ago, it was $90. A week ago, it was 85. Yesterday, it was 83. Now it's 81. So the price is going down on TCG, but Card Kingdom is offering more and more and more and more and more. The open market is not paying attention to numbers, or if they are, they're just, everyone's still trying to sell it. But what I don't understand is that at a certain point, you've got you've to be watching buy lists, um, because if there's a buy list offer for 70 and you're selling it on TCG at 80, you're gonna lose 15% of that sale minimum to fees, let alone shipping and your time. So at that point, you should just be buy listing all your copies. Um, and I know a lot of stores and a lot of people, myself included, like to, to use Card Kingdom as a weather vane. So it's not uncommon that someone's gonna to wanna to beat Card Kingdom's offer because they want the card as well. So when you start, when I start seeing disparities like this, when I start seeing like intersecting slopes going in the wrong direction in this fashion, um, it, it's really, it, it used to be funny to me. Now it's just like, yeah, it's happening again. Uh, cause it happens all the time. Uh, you really just have to be paying attention for it. And hopefully we've got some tools that can help you do that. And I think that's the one thing that you and I were talking about earlier that I wanted to touch on. It seems like people really are paying attention to the newspaper and learning how to use it within the group. And uh, that's just one of the strengths that we have as being a part of the band network is being able to have the newspaper and to be able to do your research. And with so many people doing research all at once, not a whole lot's going to be going to be missing. So uh, you had a few more things that you wanted to touch on, Chris uh, Wolf. Yeah, I'm going to these ones are going to be more throwaway. I think the boat has sailed on these. But again, uh, if anybody wants to look back, you probably even see this on MTG stocks. Um, Skyclave Apparition is another one. A month ago, it was two ninety nine. I, I assume this has got to be the standard all-star. I actually played Arena this week, and I saw it a couple times. 
Uh, I think it might have been historic, actually. I don't even know what the formats are anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, th this card just very linear trend does not I, like I don't understand why. I mean, I see its value and it's good, but um, it's it's surprising to me that people are still buying cards for what I assume is standard or historic. Um, maybe Pioneer, because I don't think this is strong enough to see play in Modern, or uh, why they're really leaning into it when nobody can play Standard. But um, cool, I think it's a really cool example of just seeing natural market demand. Um, another one real quick, Kroxa, I think Pattern uh, in the Discord's been on this one all the time, uh, or at least for the last couple of weeks, because uh, apparently Japanese buy lists uh, have been making very uh, aggressive offers for Kroxa. Uh, that's the the red and black titan, and uh, apparently their buy list offer is above the U.S. market value for the card. So that's creating a very strong natural demand. Uh, it's finally being reflected in uh, the United States buy list and marketplace. Uh, we saw this before Croxa. It was with Karn. Um, oftentimes, when you see these cards that are going up, and you're like, why are they going up? You've got to look at the global market and see where that demand's coming from. Um, Japan has a very competitive market um, in term when I say competitive I mean they love their competitive formats and anything that is uh, a staple in those formats they will pay a premium over the United States market so uh, just something to keep your eyes out for um, another one again hearkening back to just my overall message of more printings doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing uh, and that's Twilight Meyer except this time it's the eventide uh, and this is just because, even though this was just reprinted uh, in another in, a, in another set, um, very very recently, um, nope, it's actually still quite difficult to find the Eventide edition. So if you go look, um, Card Kingdom, they just don't have any in stock. So they're actually making a more and more bullish offer on this particular edition of the card, even though there are other. Their, their other offers kind of are almost, I think, 60% of the offer that they were offering on this one when I looked earlier this afternoon. So uh, something to pay attention to. Just because a card gets reprinted does not necessarily mean you need to run out of it, does not mean you need to, 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 to fire sale. In fact, oftentimes when a spoiler goes up and they announce that your card, a card that you're sitting on is, is going to be reprinted, they've just done free marketing for you because now everyone's going to be looking at this card brewing brewing on it planning decks trying to like figure stuff out uh and they might just get so excited they don't want to wait they want to get it in hand um which is an entirely unwise decision but they do it uh we all do it sometimes so uh just another quick thing to, to take in mind and i thought was a good example of that i tend to agree with you that we have to be paying attention to to the individual cards but then also the broader scope of what is creeping up across the board um, one of the things that always drives the marketplace is when we get a new set out. And even though I am exhausted by the <laughs> sheer number of spoilers we've had this year, we, we're, we're in the midst of the season right now. Uh, so, Chris, your, your fiefdom has come. This is your bread and butter. <laughs> I, am, I am going to give you your own intro music for this. If I could imagine anything, it would be like the starting of of uh super mario brothers uh from the 8-bit <laughs> and just da -da, da 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 and here you go <laughs> that was awesome uh <laughs> so first I, I just wanted to add something the very first call that you made wolf uh you talked about avenger zendikar and i was looking at omnath locus of creation so i, I mentioned that it's zendikar rising it's very specifically omnath it's 
it's seeing a ton of play in Omnath EDH decks, which Omnath has been the number one most popular commander basically since it got spoiled. So that is, I think, what's driving that, just to very na narrowly uh, focus in on it. The, um, the spoiler season has been exciting so far. We're two days in. We've had the colors black and then white, really artifacts, got a couple of really cool cards in the last 24 hours. We saw the, um, the I think it's Re Rebecca is how you pronounce it, which is the white commander. It's actually an uncommon, this protection to, to your artifacts based on the artifacts that you already controls converted mana costs. So you basically get protection from spells that have converted mana costs equal to the artifacts on your board. And if you have that with like a Dark Steel Forge, you're you're basically just invincible. Your artifacts are, they're gonna be indestructible. They're not gonna be targetable. It's just super good. So I was really excited when I saw that card. Nothing jumped off the page as like, go buy it except Dark Steel Forge. I, I think, interesting, Wolf, you were just talking about uh, Double Masters. And for me, there are just so many Double Masters cards that are hugely popular EDH staples that I think will rebound really strongly in the next you know, two months or so, particularly because of Commander Legends demand. And also because winter is coming, which is, that's funny, it's like a <laughs> Game of Thrones theory. It was not intended, but got it in there anyway. Uh, the, but with winter, we're, we're going to see a lot of people probably diverting back to uh, remote EDH, webcam EDH. And so I think that is going to continue kind of driving demand for a lot of paper cards. And so anyway, Darksteel Forge is a card that I have my eyes on. I haven't bought any copies yet, but it just got reprinted in, in Double Masters. And it's one that I think just with Rebecca alone being spoiled, it could easily uh, pick up a little bit of demand just for you know decks that get brewed around that that new commander. And we'll have to see what other artifact synergies we get in coming days from spoilers. But uh, yeah, keep an eye on Darksteel Forge. The other one that got spoiled overnight, which caused a buying frenzy, and it's really unfortunate because I was actually still awake and I, I did not know we were getting spoilers overnight, so I wish I was online. I was awake with the baby. But around 2 a.m., 3 a.m., sorry, Eastern time, we got the spoiler of Opposition Agent, which is the three-mana, three-two flash, and then it says you control your opponents while they're searching their libraries. So first thing that like you, I immediately jump to when I hear that is either a fetch land or like a demonic tutor. But the second ability is is really the part that I think is more like, wow. So it says, while an opponent is searching their library, they exile each card they find. You may play those cards for as long as they remain exiled and spend mana as though it were any color to cast those cards. So basically you can flash this thing in at instant speed if you've got the mana open. You could be bluffing this card at any point in time, which is, I think, just one of the coolest. We don't have a lot of those type of cards. It's one of the coolest things in uh, in Magic generally is the idea of bluffing. But in EDH, there aren't, in, in casual EDH, there aren't very many bluff type cards out there. And this is one that if you're holding up the mana beyond just like a counter spell, now you have to pay attention from a play pattern standpoint, if you're if you're like on the opponent side, thinking, okay, I want to search for my win con. Wait a second, they have the mana for an opposition agent to to drop that and and take my win con. It's it's really 
I think going to make waves in CEDH, there's already people saying it needs to be banned. I think that's ridiculous. It's way too soon to say something like that. But this card caused the buying frenzy. We saw, uh, first and foremost, we saw the elf from uh, Morning Tide, um, Marilyn. Thank you. I was blanking on her name. Uh, that card was gone by the time I woke up this morning at like 8 a.m. So somewhere between 3 and 8 a.m. It was just cleared out of the internet. And copies of that are selling for like 20 bucks now and maybe even more than that. I haven't seen the latest. But the other ones that we mentioned this morning as soon as we saw it in the Discord were Steaming Symmetry, which has uh, basically been also cleaned out at this point. And by the way, Maryland, just the last sold copies, $35 on TCG. That is insane when you consider that you could have had those. <laughs> wow. not, even, not even 24 hours ago, this card was like, about five or six dollars that's that's remarkable uh but anyway scheming symmetry is another one that synergizes really well you basically force an opponent so i, I just like for anyone that's listening and you're not familiar with these cards and catching up for the day Marilyn basically says that at the beginning of each player's draw step they lose three life and then they have to search for a card so you can force them to search for something and then cast your opposition agent scheming symmetry on the other hand is gonna let you for one mana tutor and force your opponent to also tutor so for four mana you can scheming symmetry if you know that your opponent is also on a demonic consultation deck for example you could tutor up your thassa's oracle force them to essentially tutor up the the demonic consultation and then steal it and so there's just some really i think some really remarkable opportunities to see play here and and like what it could mean for cedh uh, i'm going to talk about another card reverting back to day one of spoilers which was it feels like that was like six days ago it was yesterday but we we started to see some of the pirates we saw malcolm get confirmed late last night and malcolm is the one that goes infinite well not infinite but basically functions as a two card win con as a commander win con with glint horn buccaneer the glint horn buccaneer spec has already started paying off we talked about that one last week as a result of leaks but one card that I sold a couple of today already that's now officially on my radar, probably more so for casuals than for CEDH, is Storm the Vault. Storm the Vault was printed way back in the Ixalan. It was actually Rivals of Ixalan specifically. It's a flip card that synergizes with treasure tokens. It's a, it's a uh, an it card, so it's blue, red, and two generic. It's an enchantment. But it's a flip card that basically turns into a card that's banned in pretty much every format of all time, which is Tolarian, uh, Tolarian Academy. And so Storm the Vault fits this deck pretty well. In my opinion, I sold a few copies of it today, which is what tipped me off to the fact that the demand for this might be real. It's, it's going to be fresh demand that likely starts you know, effective immediately because I think players are going to start to realize, wow, we're getting these pirates. Treasures are like this cool you know, uh, sub-theme in Commander Legends, and Storm the Vault fits that type of deck perfectly. So if you're sitting on these, this was a failed spec from years ago for many people, including myself, but if you're still sitting on these in any fashion or you you want to take the chance and get back in, I think this card has some room to run. Uh, and, and I'll just give the final data point here on that card is Storm the Vault Direct, TCG Direct. There's only about a dozen copies on the first page, just a little over that. And then once you get through that first page, it ramps up within about 20 to 25 total copies sold all the way up into the double digits and, and, and you know, goes into like $12. So it basically goes from four to 12 very quickly. And uh, 
yeah, I, it's on my radar for sure. So I just wanted to put it out there for everyone to watch. I do. I do want to just point out uh, one fun thing, and, and obviously, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be that finance guy. Um, don't go out buying Maryland's. Uh, the people who had it on hand when this rush, that wasn't planned. That there was no. You can say, okay, maybe they saw a spoiler. Okay, sure. Um, but the vast majority of people who were holding Maryland, they just got lucky overnight. That's not something that you can reasonably plan around actually occurring. Like that kind of jump and hype um and and i know chris you, you just you made a comment which made me think of it 24 hours ago yes you could buy it and and now you can't but really if you think about it the reason that you might want to buy it now and you didn't 24 hours ago yes there's a new card but it's not out either so the only reason that you'd go buy it now is because you know you missed out and you want to be a part of it just wait just wait six weeks these these copies will come back in the market what pulled them out was not natural demand these are all people who want to make money on it uh, and not not saying that's a bad thing but that's just how it goes and the longer that you as just a consumer don't buy it the more it's going to come down mm -hmm. that's just how it works because they're going to keep undercutting and undercutting and undercutting and undercutting each other literally down to their costs to get that money back so uh if you do want this card and it does look fun um just just wait i mean that's going to be my my kind of panacea toward, towards most of these cards uh, I will say, though, on a, on a fun level, uh, if you want to be a real monster in, a, in just a Timmy way, Obnixilis Unshackled in Maryland makes for a lot of fun if you're, if you're the one using it. Uh, and Obnixilis is the one that any time they search their, uh, their library, they lose 10 life. So um, you, you can become arch enemy that way, and it is, it is always fun to be that guy. That's a, that's At least a good in my one. opinion. <laughs> I do have one final card going back to opposition or uh yeah uh opposition agent which is wishclaw talisman this one was also mentioned in the uh ban arbitrage network discord and so opposition agent because of its tutor ability wishclaw talisman is this artifact for two mana that basically lets you tutor for one additional mana so it's like a three mana tutor but then you have to give it to someone else an opponent of at the table gets control of it you're basically just this this card was already a CEDH like superstar. It's um, or staple, I guess you could call it. And either either one of those things is true. It also sees play in in casual EDH because the card is just a ton of fun. It's a great political tool. It's just one of those design pieces that I think Wizards did an amazing job with. And Wishclaw is the one card out of these few that I you know kind of highlighted that hasn't actually spiked. So. To your point, Wolf, uh, this one, Maryland spiked, and yeah, don't chase that. And I totally agree. You could, I couldn't have said that any better the way you put that. Wishclaw Talisman, I think, is one to have on your radar because unlike Maryland and Scheming Symmetry, this one is slightly less, I would say, uh, on the radar. And it's also one that synergizes perfectly. It will absolutely go in any deck that's running opposition agent and conveniently enough it's already in a lot of decks in cedh that opposition agent will likely get added to so uh long story short here is wishclaw talisman is a good is a good one to add a minimum keep your eye on i like the collectors uh the throne of eldraine collector version it is roughly like four ish dollars and i think with the foil already trending into the 30 plus dollar range at this point the the non-foil collector version has potential to maybe run up all the way to $10, on, especially on TCG Direct. Yeah. Do I it will, for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I really like Wishcloud. Completely forgot about that one. Um, I will say, we, like, 
this this card is, is a very competitive card and pride in our discord is gonna love me for this um a lot of times i think the last card that i saw that reminded me uh, of this this kind of happenstance was kinnon the 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 simic uh kiddo from oh i think that was the theros set um but the these cards that clearly have this this combo potential that people can figure out quickly and everyone gets excited they run out and buy it um it can it can sometimes be a kind of like a flavor of the month thing so you've you've got to be a little hesitant in in that regard i, I really do think in terms of um it might not be sustainable demand uh, so I'm going to toot my own horn here at the newspaper. Uh, and as Commander Legends comes out and the uh, the pre-sales are occurring, and especially on the day it comes out, please check out the newspaper. Watch what people are active, actually buying day-to-day as it happens and what's disappearing from the market. Because what will oftentimes happen is there will be a lot of really big movement the first couple days on, and it's usually those mid-to-low-tier cards that everyone just kind of forgets about gets lost in the shuffle but that demand is always constantly and steadily there uh, it's not as not as fun or as um enticing but th- that's where i like to live yeah i'm gonna add on to that wolf stay tuned in the discord as well we're really good at staying on top of this the yeah. the the point that we brought up in, in our first cast is that we not only bring the data side we also have the players perspective and there's a lot of people in this discord who have really really good card evalu- evaluation skills uh, you'll you'll see that throughout you know basically all these spoilers that we're not only going to be on top of what are the instant synergies but also kind of trying to debunk the the myth from reality myth being cards that people might chase that are going to have a hard time selling and and reality being the cards that people are going to chase that will actually hold the higher price point so yeah mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is all really interesting stuff to to be able to talk about and be able to get into people's minds and into their everyday life just to be able to start realizing, hey, the fear of missing out is real, but there's also a market. And this market is going to drive our choices in the long run and being able to slow down and say, do I need this card today or am I going to play in-person EDH in six months? Which is still a real valid valid question to ask and answer and we can wait on a lot of things and we can put things down on our wish list uh, just like we do every christmas for this these are the things that i want we can do that and we can watch the market and be able to buy things according to to the market for personal play now if we're speculating we want to watch the market in anticipation of what's to come and that's always the hardest part so chris from the player's perspective what are you noticing that is being played? Um, is there anything that, that really we need to be watching right now? Yeah, so, I mean, as you know, I, I focus heavily on EDH. I'm I'm not nearly as in tune to any of the other formats. Right now, I'm like living and breathing EDH primarily because Paper Magic is such a, you know, a, a fraction of what it was pre-COVID. Uh, obviously, it's kind of shifted to arena heavily, but... I, I have been tuning in. I've got a few friends who are fairly competitive players in, uh, you know, standard and so on. And basically, in, in the standard format, we're seeing a, a shift. First of all, I just want to say the bands that they that they did most recently finally got it right. Standard's more diverse, and there's not this this like exact deck, you know, science where it's this one deck is the best. There's two decks that are standing out and then there's a couple of others that are 
kind of in like the you know in this like fringe area where they can still kind of surprise people you've got rogues the gruel adventures and then there's also yorion which is kind of this like third deck that's that's been showing up and and so those are some things to keep an eye on if you do speculate on standard be really careful i mean i'm not gonna spend a whole lot of other time on this because i'm a little bit afraid of standard and then you know modern pioneer for all intents and purposes in paper magic right now they are just they're kind of dead to me i have no interest in speculating on either either format and i feel that way for basically as long as it's going to take to get a cure for covid or a, a vaccine for covid so uh, back to EDH, though, the, the popular commanders continue to be Omnath and Anawan. Uh, Omnath is, uh, I just mentioned, you know, the, the kind of additional fact when Wolf was talking about Avenger of Zendikar. Omnath is really driving a lot of demand. It's one of the pro probably one of the most popular commanders since Tesa was, was released back in Ravnica Allegiance. It's really driving people, a lot of people to build it, not just you know, uh, chunks of people, but but sizable majorities. And then Anawan the Rune Thief is the rogues commander. It's in the pre-con from Zendikar, which is also driving less less demand than Omneth, no question, but still a sizable number of decks being built. So both of those continue to move cards. I think we're, we're actually at a point now where Omneth, Avenger of Zendikar is a great example of this. Omneth is starting to move kind of like these like tier two cards that weren't as obvious because they were just... You know, there were cards that in retrospect were auto-includes in the deck, but but not necessarily obvious as cards that we should expect on. And now we're starting to see those buy lists, you know, support the fact that the demand is real. So I, I will yeah. I like what you mentioned too about the, the fear of pioneer and, and modern right now. Um and this is something that I, I would not really advocate for anybody who, who is kind of, at least like me, is more of like a bat, what is probably the modern day equivalent of a backpack grinder. Uh, I don't know, I was like three years old when those things were a thing. Um, but <laughs> the, the the fun thing that I noticed to at least on the, the data side of things was as soon as um, all the tournaments for like Pioneer and Modern were canceled, um, Card Kingdom was maxing their offer on all of those cards. And I saw several other buy lists, uh, whether they're established vendors that are still doing this or, or they were doing just ad hoc, um, uh, just mini buy lists for a certain period of time. They're all stocking up on these staples because they know nobody's playing them. Everybody wants to reinvest in the EDH cards. Uh, and assuming the world ever does go back to normal, people are going to want to play these, these formats again, hopefully, ideally. Uh, and when that happens, uh, if you have the patience for that, I sure as heck do not. Um, and the, the I, I guess, the fidelity to, to stay on that path and not panic from it, uh, that is probably, uh, and I hate calling out what a, what a long-term play is, but I can totally at least follow that logic and see how that could get paid off pretty, pretty handsomely. At least from a, a judge's perspective, I know that the stores that I've dealt with in the past who have started playing again, uh, have done so with some perennial favorites. Modern has been a big hit in some of the stores I've worked with, as well as uh, Legacy. Uh, EDH tournament, you know, four-person four pod tables is, is also coming back. The issue is, is they're trying to maintain COVID safety in the midst of all this going on, so they've had to modify some of the rules. And since none of it's sanctioned, they've, they've done a lot to try to build some really good play experiences for people and get them in the store. 
uh, one of my stores who I ran a, uh, a 90 person tournament at, uh, which was just huge, um, is actually having 28 people in their store at any given time. And uh, they've just continued social distancing and they've been able to, to start having people come back to play with some modified rules due to COVID. It's always nice to hear that things can eventually return to the way they were. Yeah, there's hope. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess one of the things uh, that I'd really like to, to start talking about is what, what are you guys working on outside of um, MTG Finance right now, outside of collectible finance? What's, what are you working on as far as life right now? I, I've, I, I'm chuckling because the, gosh, the list is always so long, it feels like. But for me, the big one is I, we're, we're wrapping up Q4 at my at my company, the my mm. like professional career. I, I wouldn't necessarily call my side business a magic profession. Well, it is professional, but it's certainly not my professional right. career. And uh, we're wrapping up Q4. So I've been tasked with quite a few deliverables that are, uh, just kind of year-end recap type stuff that but but big level high level presentations that will be new for me it's something i haven't done much of i i was promoted recently in march into a senior management role and and really this year has been a lot of learning and a lot of kind of growing and so i'm i'm actually really excited for it I, i've been learning to refine my presentation skills i still have a long way to go i think at some point i'll probably take a class or two on it but in in short, I, that's what I'm going to be working on this this week, next week, probably probably all the way through up until Thanksgiving. Actually, is getting that presentation ready, and then in early December we'll be going in front of our entire executive board with it. So, well, should be exciting. Yeah, sounds, yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Wolf, is there anything that you've been working on outside of the hobby? Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've been randomly having. I, I feel a little bit like I'm back in college because uh, uh, for separate reasons, I have to. Uh, I've been scheduling random two-hour tests to prove that I can do what I can do, uh, and I've got my fifth one actually scheduled for tomorrow, which uh, all the excitement has drained out of that for me. Mm -hmm. uh, as much fun of it as it is to do uh, a live whiteboard uh, exam with somebody. Um, <laughs> But uh, outside that, I mean, it's earnings season. Uh, it's at least that's coming on over here. So on my day job, constantly on the phone right now. So mm -hmm. any chance I get to to just bury my head in the sand and, and get back to this is what I what I'm always, of course, looking for. So uh, I'm always got my head in a spreadsheet, whether it's collectibles, finance, whatever, real finance, whatever it is. So um, it's it's hard for me to say anything else except that uh, Brandon Sanderson's new book is coming out in a couple of weeks, and I am like gonna take a day off of work i'm gonna schedule that and uh just just spend all day reading that when that comes out so that's what i'm looking forward to at the very least yeah i would uh really like to be able to read that book but as you know me i am constantly on the road driving around uh, i go and see people in their homes and do counseling with them uh, that's my job that pays and so outside of the hobby right now um i love listening to, to books on tape I've been working my way through uh, the Dresden Files recently. Uh, absolutely amazing. New, the new Dresden Files just came out, and I'm trying to get myself caught up so I can be able to listen to that as well. But then uh, we had a, a freak snowstorm last week. 
Uh, it was absolutely unbelievable uh, on the shores of Lake Superior to get almost 10 inches of snow in the middle of October. Um, it's pretty pretty unheard of. Um, it's the most snow that we've seen in October uh, in recorded history. That being said, I am preparing my yard for winter. Uh, <laughs> it is it is a mad rush right now, and uh, it's been put off quite a bit because I've had to go down and visit my daughter at college. Uh, but you know, it has to get done, so that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I, I need to do that too. We we just moved into this house in February. It's a, our first full winter, so. Mm going to be a, a new experience we lived in a condo in the city my wife and i did for several years so mm-hmm. i'm not looking forward to shoveling snow and or, well, we have say. a yeah we got a snowblower so but it's still you have to shovel <laughs> several sho- sometimes shovel before you can get to that level so anyway my uh my fiance is from hawaii and she she still loves the snow and my working theory is because she's never had to shovel it yeah yeah <laughs> Cutting, right. cutting the grass and shoveling the snow are certainly the they're just bringing me back to my childhood essentially so <laughs> like got away from it for a decade and i'm back yeah it was a nice vacation <laughs> yeah i wish i could take a 10-year decade uh, decade-long <laughs> vacation one of the things that i would like to point out to everybody is that we here at the ban arbitrage network we're we're actually connected on a number of different formats and we're uh, different social medias as well and we're trying to get out there a little bit more consistently if you go over to twitter uh, mtg underscore ban is our handle we have posting nearly every single day that you can join us there at and uh, be able to like and follow what we're doing you can also find us on the mtg ban website at mtgban.com and the patreon uh, you can search for ban underscore community and be able to find us there convictiongaming.com is now a part of the band network so i want to thank everybody for joining us there you can be able to uh track our casts when they post hopefully within 24 hours of this uh of this recording and be able to uh, just really enjoy everything that we're doing there I hope that you have enjoyed your time discussing collectible finance with our resources today. Please join us via the Patreon for as little as $2 a month to engage in the Discord and try out our tools. I hope that you have a good rest of your day.